If you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 14, while you're doing that, I want to remind you that we have an accountant that takes care of our tax stuff and all that stuff, so it's all above board. Um, Within the next week, you will be getting your 19 or 2015 tax deductible receipts. We will have that for you. Uh, One thing we don't remind you enough and We need to, when you fill out your offering envelope, when you put money in, if you want an accurate tax receipt the next year, you need to fill that out accurately and legibly because our accountant, all he gets is what's on that envelope, okay? So we need you to do that. I just want to talk to you a couple minutes. In the 1940s, there was a virus that went through my hometown of Monroe and a lot of people got sick, and three little boys in particular got very sick. They ran very high fevers, and it left them brain damaged. One of them so severely that he was institutionalized the rest of his life. One of them was one of my cousins, and he wasn't that severely damaged, but somewhat. And he lived a fairly pretty good normal life, but not like he would have today with the special ed and stuff. But this cousin of mine was the sweetest guy in the world and there were three things that he really loved and one when I talk about the bar in Monroe it's really more accurately the multi-purpose facility it is the youth center the senior center the cafe and then sometimes it's the bar but he lived across the street the alley from the bar and he spent a lot of time there they would let him clean the tables, peel the potatoes, serve, and then he got fed all the good food there for free. That was a great deal for him, and that's where he hung out. And one of his favorite things in the world was just when we would come in, when my dad or his brothers would come in, and they'd sit and have a cup of coffee with him. Or when I would come in and we'd just sit at the bar and have a Pepsi. He loved Pepsi. And... And the thing is, he was a wonderful pool player, (laughs) and he could beat a lot of people. And I never could beat him. I'm not that good of a pool player, but I could never beat him. My dad had one of his brothers that could beat him sometimes, but there were people in Monroe that did not want to play with him because they didn't want him to beat them. That located them real quickly. But overall, everybody in Monroe looked out for the guy. They loved the guy, and he loved that. Um, he never missed one of my ball games if he could help it. He was always there. He'd even hitch rides to the away games. He was my number one fan. He was always there. He always looked out for me. He always had my backside. And I always had his. And his favorite thing of all, though, was when the Schmitz got together. He loved when the Schmitz got together. The whole family, especially when they all came from California, and everybody was there. And this is what he loved about it. He was just one of us. He was just one of us. Nobody treated him any differently. He got hassled, harassed, wrestled, teased, and picked on just as much as anybody else that was there. And he loved to eat. And and he got lots of food. And he just loved that. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because we have this Tim Tebow, Night to Shine, coming up. It's February 12th. And, you know, sometimes we get preconceived ideas. And sometimes, 
you know, I've been a Christian for 45 years, and I think that a lot of times through this 45 years, this is a couple things I've noticed. For one thing, Christians, especially in this area of the country, tend to get in a rut, and we want to do the same things over and over and over again and what everybody else is doing. Now, you know, if you know me, I'm an ADHD person. I get really bored really quickly. I hate doing the same thing over and over and over again, like pounding your head against the wall. And and I just don't like to do things just to do them. I just don't like to go through the motions if I don't see any purpose in it. And I like to do something different. Now, this is definitely different. And the other thing with Christians that I've seen through the 45 years is sometimes... A lot of times, I think we forget to have fun, know how to have fun. We just think we have to do these things and that fun is a sin. And it isn't. And I think February in Nebraska is a really boring month. And I don't like to dance. That is fun to me. And you are not going to get me to do karaoke. <laughs> no way. But. For me, this is what I'm asking. Get rid of all the preconceived ideas. And just come and let's have fun. They're going to have fun, but they're going to have more fun if we have fun. And I want to get out of the February gloomy blue, boring in Nebraska stuff, and let's just have a good time and have fun. That's what my cousin Don loved. He just loved to get together and have fun and hug you, and have fun with us, and have a Pepsi, you know, whatever. But um, so that's what I'm asking you. This Wednesday night, um, the youth are going to do their training for this, and we will go through some things with the adults. The The situation is with this, this is put on by the Tim Tebow Foundation, and we're working with them. We have to comply to their standards. Okay, but that's all right. You know, uh, there's been some hesitation on filling out the background checks, and really that's no big deal because our insurance company wants us to do that with everything anymore. We are not living in the Monroe, Nebraska of the 1950s where everybody watches out for Dawn. It's different today, and I it's sad that it is, but it is. But we're going to do this, and we're going to do it right. And we just... I just want you to come and, you know, sometimes I'm not a huggy, lovey person, but underneath, (laughs) I really do care about people. And sometimes we need to stir that stuff up within us. I need to stir that up occasionally, that we really care about people and they're just people like us. So... Um, the one thing, if you haven't filled out the form, we, and we need you to do that. We would like you to get involved. We need your help. We have how many people signed up right now? 99 registered. So there is a need here. Now I want to read you one scripture in Luke chapter 14. I just was reading this yesterday and just stumbled across this wonderful scripture. Luke chapter 14. Beginning in verse 12, it's in red. Jesus said it. Then he also said to him, 
who invited him. When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lamed, the blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. We are not doing this function to build this church. We are doing this function to bless people and build the kingdom of God. So we're just asking for your help. How about a hug? (laughs) (laughs) I married an old stoic German. 99. Wow. Now what will happen is every one of these people will be fed. This is catered. The Tim Tebow Foundation gave this church $8,000 to do this. There's 200 events like this going on throughout the country. That's a lot. And um, to think that they, they sent the money to do that. So we have a caterer. They're going to be fed like a banquet. They'll have karaoke. They'll have what else? Limo rides. Yeah, I'm shining shoes that night. Hair, makeup, to make people feel like they're special. Amen? And I tell you what, I can't think of a better way to start the year out than to ministering to people. The love and compassion of Jesus Christ. And then the end of February, Stephen Ratode and Mike Keyes will be here. We'll have a powerful seminar. So this is, we're starting out the year power, powerfully. Amen. Amen. Yes. Okay. Night to Shine is February 12th. It's a Friday evening from 6 to 9. And then uh, is it February 27th? It's four nights. Or Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night. Four nights we'll have a prophet and an apostle here. And uh, you'll be blessed. Amen. Isaiah 43. Yeah, every time we'd go into the bar to eat, there'd be Donnie. And Terry was the other one, too, in the community. Say this with me. God is doing a new thing. Isaiah 43 and verse 18. Isaiah 43, 18, it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, Behold, I will, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make even a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God, I believe, this year, and and we kind of unhook from our series and we'll hook back up. God is doing a new thing in our hearts and I, I just want to say you did a good job with worship today. And you always do a good job. But I can sense the Holy Spirit working on my heart. You mean your heart, preacher? Oh, yeah. My heart, too. And the thing that we need to guard against is, is, is hardness of heart in these last days. And so I, I just... Thank God for the Holy Spirit. 
Oh, we need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God promises to do new things in our life and at Harvest Church. Now, our responsibility in all of this is to make changes. She talked about people in this area of the country. Make changes in our thinking, our heart's attitude, and make sure we're adopting God's ways. Now, I was, thought I was going to finish today, but for the sake of time, we'll, we got one more Sunday next, next week in January. We'll, we'll finish this. But let's go through this again. You know, you want to do something for me? You want to do something for me? Two of you do? The rest of you are going, oh, gosh. I would just, this is my, would thrill my heart. You know, David had men that went in behind enemy lines and got him water from a well. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Our well isn't any good here. The water's not good. I would just love it if I could get every one of my sheep here one Sunday. Every one. That means every family in church one Sunday. Now, I realize you work. But it would just be wonderful to have everybody just think, I'm going to church this Sunday. We're going to church this Sunday. Amen? And because there's something about the, the corporate anointing and everybody being here. Amen? So that's what I want. We'll see how willing and obedient you are. God promises you and I a new and fresh anointing this year for service and ministry. Psalm says in Psalm 92.10, I've been anointed with fresh oil. David said in Psalm 23.5, you, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Well, if God anoints your head with oil and your cup runs over, what happens when your cup runs over? It touches and affects the lives of other people. That's what we're doing in February. Acts 10.38 says, God's spirit, Jesus said, is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor. This is the message translation. Sent me to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to set the burdened and battered free. Now, listen, to announce this is God's year to act. And I read that and I had to write that down because usually we read New King James, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, you know, who went about doing good and healing all that were that are sick and oppressed of the devil. But here it, it, it just kind of gives it a little extra. It says, to announce this is God's year to act. And I believe this is God's year to act. I believe it's, this year is the church's time to act. And to start being the church, not just a bless me club, but a, a, a group of people that their heart is moved with compassion to do something. So God's promised a new and fresh anointing. Then he's promised a new sphere of influence. He's promised to open a door of opportunity. And that's what he's doing. He's opened a door of opportunity for Harvest Church on, on February 12th. It's a door of opportunity. And we said that it's important that 
you know, we recognize it. Sometimes we're so we're looking at other past doors of opportunity and we fail to realize there are new doors that he wants to open for us. Amen. And and you need to understand it. And I need to understand that we have to develop a new mindset towards God, ourselves and others. And uh so I want you to forget about your past mistakes and things that you haven't done. And this year, begin to think God wants to do a new thing. I'm going to start thinking different about who my God is. He's a big God. I'm not going to listen to Fox News or CNN all the time. All the doom and gloom. I got so tired of this eastern blizzard. Dear God, come to Nebraska. Those people act like, oh, there's a snowflake. We better call things... Yeah, and I realized it was a it was a blizzard of major proportion, but, but they blow it out of proportion. You know, I'm so glad I live in Nebraska. We said the other thing is, besides the mindset, you and I need to develop a new heart's attitude. And that's why we need worship like we did this morning, because the, that kind of worship softens your heart. Isaiah, Isaiah 1, verse 18 and 19, it says, it says, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. What we're looking for at people at Harvest Church are people who are not only, you know, obedient, but, but they're willing. They not only are, you know, want to help serve on February 12th, but, you know, they're, they're being obedient, but there's a desire there's a desire to want to come and bless somebody. So important. In order for you and I to experience a fresh anointing from God for new things, it will require a repentant, teachable, and obedient heart. A repentant, teachable, and obedient heart. What's God want from you and I this year? A repentant, teachable obedient heart. We said your love for God will be revealed by a submissive and obedient heart. Not just doing something, just doing it to do it, but your heart is engaged because you want to do it. John 14 Jesus said, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. Show it. By doing what I've told you. Show it by doing what I've told you. We said your lack of obedience is viewed by God. Now, and I want to make sure that you understand this. Your lack of obedience is viewed by God as the sin of lawlessness. The sin of lawlessness. Look at Matthew 7. Basically, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going over this again, but, you know, if I got everybody here at one time, I wouldn't have to do all this review, folks. Oh, I'll get online and listen to it. Okay. Matthew 7. I'm starting to get this. Clint Eastwood twitch. Remember Clint Eastwood in the 70s, the movies? Loberg, you remember those movies? Make my day. I get this twitch, and my wife's got it too, bad. 
We're just not into this Facebook technology stuff. When you go, and I started at the Y, I've been real good. You see me at the Y? Caleb, you see me at the Y? Really going at it, aren't I? (laughs) And I go to the Y, do business, and I get out of there. But I don't get this. They walk around with their phones at the Y. And they're texting. And and I looked at this one gal on the treadmill, and she's going just... And she's talking. I thought, what is that woman talking to? Who's she talking to? She was on the phone talking to somebody. If you can't unplug long enough to go do something like go to the wife for 45 minutes, you're sick. You have a disease. And I'm getting it. And for a while, the young folks here a few years ago got tired because I was bashing Facebook from the pulpit. It's coming back. This Facebook stuff. Gunner, let me never see you on the phone. I've never seen you on the phone. Not there. (laughs) You don't do the phone thing, do you, in your Yeah, well, okay, well, that's enough. You answered that, son. You don't. There wouldn't be any phone left if if you were doing the phone with what you're doing. Matthew 7.21. It'll go a little bit longer and then I'll unhook here. I think what my wife had to say probably was the most important thing today. I do. I really believe that. She just has a way of doing it. It's always tied to Monroe. Did you ever had, I, I couldn't do that with my hometown, <laughs> but she can do it. Matthew 7.21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who what? Does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness this then it goes on verse 24 and it's therefore whoever hears these things of mine and does them okay so we're talking about your heart's attitude you and i need to be willing and obedient we said lawlessness is a flagrant defiance of the known will of god we gave you another definition it's the cruelest manifestation of the lack of love in a believer's life now listen to this Anyone who lives in self-will, say self-will, is lawless. What do you mean by self-will? Got any clue what I mean about self-will? What's it all about? Me. What I want to do. Where I want to go. How I want to do it. How I think, you know... What I should do at, at, and what Brad said about at your place of employment. It's all about me. And that's what this generation I see, and it's sad. It is, with this younger generation, they're so caught up in themselves. It's self-will. It's lawlessness. It's an attitude. It's rebellion. It's resistance to God and to the will of God. 
The final stage of lawlessness, now listen, this is important. The final stage of lawlessness is a stubborn refusal to repent. The final stage, if, you, if you're a lawless, have that, that attitude of self-will. It's not, it's not about anybody else. It's about me. What can I get for me? What can I do for me? It's a stubborn refusal to repent. Now, I want to read this. Steve Gallagher, intoxicated with the, with the spirit of Babylon is the name of the book. But this is what he says in... And uh, I'm going to close with this because I'll go into next week um, with what I wanted to finish this week. But I I want to read this because this is so good. This says it all. As the enemy's activity increases in the days ahead, it is imperative that believers learn to live in a state of perpetual repentance. As the enemy's activity increases in the days ahead, it is imperative that believers learn to live in a state of perpetual repentance. So we have 1 John 1, 9. Yes, we are because of Jesus and and what he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. We're the righteousness of God in Christ, but we still sin. We still deal with the flesh. Now, last thing I did before I came over here and walked in through those doors, I said, Father, if I've said anything, thought anything, done anything that would grieve your spirit, forgive me and cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. What, did, did you do something bad? No. I, Holy Ghost, will, he'll, he'll work on you. But it's the idea that... that I need to stay clean. Create within me a clean heart. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, give me a fresh start. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos in my life. It's imperative that believers live in a state of perpetual repentance. They must open their hearts to the searching of the Holy Spirit. So every day, you and I, and when we come to church especially, we need to open our hearts and allow the Holy Ghost to to illuminate and, and to reveal to us areas of lawlessness and resistance and rebellion. And dear Lord, if the preacher has to do it, you think the sheep do? They must continually turn away from carnality, worldliness, and those pet sins that so easily beset us. And most of all, they must repent of rebellion, lawlessness, and self-will. So you and I need to ask ourselves, Lord, is there any areas of Lawlessness in my life, rebellion in my life, self-will in my life. Let's look at Acts 3 and then we'll close.
Well, I want I wanted to get into the next part, but we'll do that next week. Don't want to wear you out. We must continually turn away from carnality, worldliness, and those pet sins that so easily beset us. And most of all, we must repent of rebellion, lawlessness, and self-will. Acts 3.19 states, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Now listen, so that times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing come from the presence of God. See, to me today, worship was refreshing. My tears are flowing. I know I cry. I don't have any problem crying. It's because God's working on my heart. Is he working on your heart? Are you sensing that there's nothing the world can offer you that can compare with what Our Heavenly Father can offer you. Yeah, we live in the world, but boy, we've got to make sure the world doesn't live in us. And, you know, I thought the older I got as a Christian, it would get easier. That was stupid. Because I've been a Christian a long time. And I'm... And what, what really... And it must grieve the Father. And and it's bothering me that I see areas in my life that I still have to deal with, pet sins and attitudes. And it grieves my heart. I'm glad it's really grieving my heart because that means God's working on my heart. But if you don't even sense that, and you're oblivious to the work and the move of the Spirit of God, your heart is crusted over. It's hardened. And that's a dangerous place to be. If you don't have any compassion for people anymore, and it's all about you and your family and your time and your schedule and what you want to do, and you don't care about anybody else, you're sick spiritually. You and I as believers in this last these last days... If we've got to work on that and make sure that our hearts are pliable, that our hearts are softened, and that, and when we do miss it, oh God, forgive me, I missed it. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to grieve your Holy Spirit. God's working. Boy, he's working in my heart. I cry right now, but I'm not going to. Let's stand to our feet.